Welcome to this week's Leader's Guide for the Spring Quarter of Life Groups. This resource is provided to help you prepare and effectively lead your group. For your convenience, you can also download a written version of the guide under Life Group Leader Tools at gatewaycrc.org forward slash lifegroups. Remember to tune in each week and to look out for the weekly edition of Life Group Leaders Weekly. Let's join Adam Van Dopp now as he introduces this week's material. Well, hey there, Life Group leaders. We are already now in week number five of our winter 2022 Life Group semester, and it's once again a joy and privilege to share this time frame with you and to chat through a sermon guide for this coming week. Ahead of our meetings uh, and gatherings this week, I want to pray for a great discussion for deep connections and for those of you going out on serve projects for effective ministry within our city. Well, let's jump into our material for this coming week few uh, announcements and a few thoughts to think about. Have you planned your serve project yet? Uh, there's a number of us who have and a number of us who haven't. So if you haven't yet, do uh, consider getting into a service project soon. Uh, plan your approach to your discussion questions. Uh, have you sent a picture yet? Uh, also remember the socials. Uh, while we love it when our groups gather together to study and to reflect upon God's word, we also love it when our groups are centered around our church family in a relational way. Plan then to hang out together. Uh, so here's an idea. Over spring break coming up in a couple of weeks, uh, we're, we're not doing officially uh, life group meetings in that sense. So I thought, hey, what if, what if we were to, uh, instead of missing out on a particular study night, because I, I'm just loving the studies, um, plan a social within that time frame, within within the spring break week if it works um, but if it doesn't work in that sense do cancel off a study night and plan for a social night to hang out together um, plan a, an evening of fun games and appetizers go for dinner together order in dinner together go mini golfing and go for dessert do something fun with your group just to build your relational connection with each other and did I mention pictures? I would love once again to see pictures as we wanted to see what your groups look like. Where are you meeting? What's your snack table look like? Uh, what's it like in your group setting? Uh, so snap some pictures, snap some selfies and send them in to me. I would love to see what those look like. Well, let's jump into our leader's guide and our discussion material for this coming week. First section we have is getting to know you, where we talk about uh, just getting people in your group cohesive and talking together in a simple and lighthearted way. So the first question we have here is, do you collect anything? What and why? While collections may not be what they once were, people may still gather things that are important to them, uh, sports memorabilia, tools, uh, that's mine, tools, uh, clothes and shoes, things to remember stages of children's lives, uh, pictures, the list can be quite various and could be, I think, quite interesting given the context that we're in. Uh, number two, if you had to make a career change tomorrow, what would you do and why? So again, I'm wanting to use this, the second question here to have your members talk about things that matter to them. Uh, yes, in a lighthearted way, but uh, we here we can talk about um, other skills that we might have or other aspirations or other dreams that we might have. You might hear of uh, sportscasters or team owners, or you might hear of book writers or world traveler bloggers. Those kinds of things might just be fun to learn about. 
uh, which leads us into the quick review section where we ask two questions to look upon uh, this week's message, and though these two are fairly standard. The first one says, look back at your notes from this week's teaching. Was there anything that particularly caught your attention, challenged, or confused you? And we remind you each week to do your own homework, to do your own study, and to do your own notes as you do this. And then number two, this comes off a little bit weirdly, but Pastor Adam says, prayer isn't meant to change God, it is meant to change us. How does that challenge you in your prayer life? How does that cause you to think differently about your own prayers? Well, this this passage that we're looking at in Revelation 8, as you'll hear on Sunday morning, uh, speaks boldly of what prayers can do and how prayers enter into the throne room of heaven. And so I directly copied and pasted into our leader's guide um, a paragraph from my own notes where, where we, I write, uh, we need to see that our posture of prayer changes us as it refocuses who we are and who God is. These short scripted dinner prayers, well, they remind us that the food on our table doesn't just appear out of thin air, but has been provided by the very hand of God. Those prayers that we pray for the sick, well, they remind us that we're not in control within this world, but that God in fact is. And so from our food to our health, our, our prayers warm our hearts towards God activities in our lives and how he has invited us to posture ourselves towards him. There's a little tidbit for you ahead of Sunday's message. Then we go into the God story, into the triads, where we look at the passage of scripture and we ask ourselves about God and the world and me and how we find ourselves within that passage. And you know, as we've been talking about, uh, sometimes talking about these three questions, sometimes get a little redundant, uh, but you can reduce it or simply use the question, what strikes you all together about this passage to enter into a discussion about what we've just read which then leads us into the Digging Deeper portion where we get to strip back some of the themes and the material of this great portion of text. First question here is read Revelation chapter 8 verses 1 through 3. And the question is, how how does this scene of silence in the throne room of heaven change or alter your perspective of what your prayers do? And so here, there might be times that we feel that our prayers don't go anywhere, simply into a void of space or into history without being noticed, heard, or attended to. Uh, This picture that John is presenting us within Revelation 8 is is that of God's attention to the prayers of his people. And you know, as I'm thinking about this, I I was talking to someone earlier this week, uh, asking them about the prayer life and the spiritual side of things, and they even indicated to me there, there is an uncertainty if God ever even hears our prayers. Well, this passage, if, if no other passage does, this passage so clearly tells us that the Lord hears and, and, and is attentive to the prayers that we pray as we hear the silence in heaven ring out because of the prayers of God's people and how it has now hit the Father. And so as, as we speak to him in, in any form, spoken, in thought, in question, written in journals, feelings in our hearts, thoughts in our minds, the Lord hears and attends to our prayers. And what is additionally neat in this passage as it goes on a little bit past the the verse 3 there is that the prayers are carried to the throne of God uh, by the angels who, who first purify them with incense so that they would arrive at God's ears all with our selfishness removed. It's a way that the Lord hears our perfected and pure hearts. And it's not a far stretch to consider that uh, this, within this imagery that that incense that cleanses the prayers is really the work of the Holy Spirit. And so I encourage you to use this question to build upon the confidence of your members that our prayers, in whatever form they are prayed, are heard and understood and are received by the Lord with clarity. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. 
which leads us to a bullet point question. Read Psalm 139, verse 15 and 16, and Matthew 6, verses 7 and 8. And so when it comes to our specific requests that we pray, what do you think the Lord does with them? And so there's, there's a good chance you've heard the shopping list prayer analogy where we present only to God the things that we wish for and then we say amen and carry on with our day. Now while it is certainly good to lay down all that is, is upon our hearts upon the throne of God, we need to consider our motivation and God's activity that he's going to do with these prayers. And so these, these passages that we've just looked at, they convey succinctly that God is already aware of the matters that are upon our hearts. He already knows your need for healing. He has already blessed the food that is on your table and he wants to draw your lost children to himself. He desires to see the hungry fed and those who are cold be warmed. So that all being said, he still desires to hear that is on our hearts, that those matters are matters to us. And as you pray for these matters then, the challenges that we essentially get from these two passages is to pray that the Lord would use us to bring together community, to bring about healing, to bring about the changes in this world. And we should consider adding the request to the Lord for the confidence to act, for the right words to say, and for the wisdom to discern his plan in our lives as we live these matters out. And so then uh, we want to look then at the next bullet point question at this fascinating story that comes out. Uh, so read Luke 18 verses 9 through 14, asking the question, why did the tax collector leave the temple more justified than the Pharisee? And so in this whole conversation of prayer, which I am absolutely fascinated by and I love talking about, as you can maybe get a sense of excitement in my voice here, is that this, this super neat passage now is, is an incredible one to consider in the discussion around prayer, where now Jesus places two examples of prayer laid side by side and is quite clear about what he desires to be the posture. And so in this parable, the Pharisee offers prayers all about himself and his focus is upon his own greatness and his own prestige because as a Pharisee, he has a place of, of a supposed honor as being this religious leader. And, and in his prayer, he makes no request. He makes no plea for helps or assurances. He, he sees himself in a perfected place and he approaches God in gratitude, which, which really is a good thing, but he's simply just in this prayer, he's puffing himself up. And there's even a footnote in the ESV version of the Bible at verse 11 where it says the Pharisee standing by himself, he prayed. But the footnote adds he's standing by himself and he prayed to himself. He's, he's in, a, in a sense, as he said, God, hear my prayer, he's kind of saying, God, I don't care what it is that you, you think. It doesn't matter to me who you are. What matters is who I am and what I've done and what I am doing. And so as this Pharisee's prayer comes to a close, in this parable, the camera pans to the back of the temple, and there in this dark corner is this other tax collector, which, which is the most despised of professions in Jewish culture there. And this man who's hiding himself in the back, he's, he utters the simplest and quietest and yet probably the most profound prayer in all of scripture. And he says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And he's praying this prayer, his gaze can't even look upwards because he's so aware of his own depravity, he's so aware of his own brokenness, that he's even beating his chest out of his own pain and despair. And, then, and in this prayer, he first acknowledges that God is a merciful and that he's a powerful God, that he has the one ability to forgive sin and to make this man whole again. And then and secondly, he acknowledges that he himself is broken, that he's incomplete, that he's unable to justify himself. And he knows that only God can do those things. 
So we, we are left with a challenge in our prayers and that they don't have to be long, they don't have to be elaborate, and they certainly don't need to be about our own perfection. You see, the Lord God knows long before we speak or think. But our prayers, well, they do need to communicate our awareness of the proper order of things, that God is God and that we are simply not. Well, that's a long, really cool discussion on prayer, and I hope that that fulfills uh, some of your heart's desire to learn a little bit more, a little bit more about what prayer is and what prayer can be and what prayer can do in our lives. But let's jump back into Revelation and what Revelation is talking about as we read chapter 9, verses 20 through 21, the second question. So in the context of the sixth trumpet being blown, those who are unrepentant face God's wrath. Despite all the plagues being unleashed in the first six trumpets, the unrepentant here now in this passage here remain, well, unrepentant. Does this mean we give up on our missional efforts? Why or why not? Why is this trumpet, uh, we're, we're told that there are still people who reject God's plan for salvation. And it's really a sad reality to hear that people, after all this tumultuous living, still reject God's love. Does that mean we're to give up on trying to minister to them, to provide God's grace to them, to extend God's mercy to them, even now, in this today's culture where we are at now? Well, the simplest of answers is, is, is a vehement, no, absolutely not. The firm reality is that we must understand that we, we don't know who is fully and completely is rejecting God's invitation. The, author invita the offer and invitation to receive God's love stays open until the very last breath is taken. You see, we can never give up. We can never stop extending God's grace and his invitation to all of the lost whom we know. So read 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord has his own timing when it comes to drawing his people to himself. How have you seen this play out in your own life or in other people's lives? So I want you to consider as you think about this question and leading your group through this question is consider your own journey for a moment, your own journey of faith, and perhaps the time it took for you to fully understand God and God's invitation to you. Yes, you might have grown up in a Christian home, but how much did you live differently than how your parents had hoped for and planned for, for you? How much did you try and do the opposite things of which they wanted you to do? Like, let's say, hey, we're going to church on Sunday morning. How much more did you want to just simply go hang out with your friends or play in your room or challenge yourself in that next video game and just simply do the opposite thing of what your parents are trying to raise you to do? Well, Peter here tells us that the Lord has been patient with you with you, yourself, who you are, doing, doing all he could in his own timing to draw you closer to himself. So also I want you to consider not just yourself here, but the history of the Israelites and the, and the entire nation throughout the story of the Old Testament and how often they rejected him and how often they came crawling back into his open arms. See, you see that pattern repeats itself countless times throughout the Old Testament and it's fascinating to see God still extend his open hand of love to the people that rejected him over and over and over again. And the same is true for all of the lost uh, souls that are amongst us and our families and our friends and our neighborhoods and our schools and our places of work. God's hand of open invitation is still extended to them. Even if they are rejecting him today, they might not reject him tomorrow. So we never give up. We never let loose. Our, our relentless God does not relent. Number three. Revelation 10 verses 8 through 11. In John's sidebar discussion away from the seven trumpets, he is told himself to eat the scroll. 
So why is it sweet in his mouth? And why does it make his stomach bitter? And so this is a pretty odd sounding request. And it may cause you to remember when Ezekiel back in the Old Testament was challenged and invited to eat the scroll as well. And so to Ezekiel in Ezekiel 3 verses 1 through 3, the scroll simply tasted sweet. As Ezekiel was being commanded to go to the stubborn people of Israel who continually reject God. And the image that it bears there is of sweetness, is of the fact that God is good, that God is loving, he's caring, he's compassionate, and it's, and it's sweet in our mouths. It's, it's joyous, it's fun, it's, it's, it's exuberant. And John experiences the same reality in Revelation. While also John experiences now a bitterness which pains his stomach, which feels unsettling. And so the reality of scripture is that while it's good to hear that God is good, as we've seen in Revelation, is that God is also tough. He's working out vengeance and he's extending his wrath upon creation, upon uh, the, per the ones who've done the persecution, the ones who are unrepentant. And so we see and understand that scripture can in fact be difficult, hard to digest and hard to understand. It can leave us feeling challenged and uneasy, especially when the Holy Spirit then convicts us with the words of Scripture. But as the picture in the instance of the desert, as Moses turned the water from bitter to sweet as he was trying to nourish the Israelites, well, the Holy Spirit does the same thing as Scripture fulfills us in our lives. As it comes to us as bitter, the Holy Spirit converts us and challenges us and makes it sweet within our mouths as he draws us closer to the Lord. He turns what leaves us in despair to blessing and assurance, and that's a pretty cool thing. Well, now we work towards taking it home where we typically ask a question that is now to draw upon all of this whole theme and kind of see it come and converge onto one kind of concept here. So read Revelation chapter 11 verses 15 and 16 where John tells us that he sees the kingdoms of heaven and earth coming together as one, with Christ reigning within it forever. Well, how do you or how have you experienced heaven on earth right now? And so a fun little tidbit here, the line, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever from Revelation 11 there, is the exact middle of the book of Revelation. Whether it's the exact word for word middle of Revelation is not, not the point, but it's in how Revelation is structured, is, is the middle. Everything has led up until this point and everything that we will read from here on leads away from this point. This is where John tells us of heaven is upon all of earth. And the two realities that we've been seeing are really in fact one. Christ is reigning now amongst us, within us, and through us. Heaven is in fact all around us. It's not some distant spiritual realm that is not yet. But in the not yet, there's still a tension of not yet. There's still unrest, there's still sickness, there's, there's still death, there's still the four horses at work amongst this world that we call home. Christ has yet to return and the new Jerusalem has yet to be fully executed and fully descended upon us. So we then wait for the Lord to lead us to those points while celebrating with the 24 elders upon the thrones with the words that they sing, we give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was. And even I invite you to take notice that they do not sing who is to come because they see him there, right there amongst them. And so we can sing the same. 
Well, at this point, I invite you to close your meetings in a time of prayer, chatting through your ongoing prayer needs, updating each other on where things are at, and be sure to, in the midst of this, to offer prayers of gratitude and of thanksgiving and of joy. Well, leaders, once again, I delight in your work, and I am grateful for the things that you do as you bring together God's people to study, to learn, and to grow in meaningful relationships. My prayer for blessings upon your meetings this coming week. May you all be richly blessed for the work that it is that you are doing within our church. Blessings to you all, and don't be afraid to reach out to Pastor Justin or I as you so need to. Blessings to you all. See you.